Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. There is a ceremony used in many churches to set someone apart to do ministry, either a minister or an elder, a pastor, some kind of preaching situation. And sometimes during that ceremony, the person being ordained or set apart is given some kind of symbol to signify that they are now a minister of the gospel. Some preachers get stoles to wear around their neck. You might see some preachers that have a stole. Uh, Some preachers are given a chalice in which to hold uh, communion in. And this is our communion cup, so this is our chalice. And and, uh, some get a clergy collar to signify that they are a minister in a position of authority to preach the word, to give biblical counsel. Uh, In our brotherhood, it's usually like uh, you have to wear a tie if you're going to be a preacher. Today, we have a beautiful opportunity as a church to set aside, set apart, and pray over one of our own and place him into, or, or, and ordain him into ministry. Jacob Blouse, uh, who you've seen play the guitar, you've seen uh, preach, uh, you see behind, so many things he does behind the scenes, he has uh, proven himself over lots and lots of time that he is a man of God that wants to pursue a, a Christian vocation. And today, our elders are going to set him apart, ordain him into ministry, and we get to be a part of that. And I'm so excited. And one of the things that we're going to give Jacob is not a tie, and it's not a stole, it's not a chalice. We're going to, as a church, give him a charge, a mandate, an obligation, a command to move himself even further into ministry than what he already is. Would you allow me to pray for us? God, I thank you so much for this great opportunity, this blessing that you have given us as a church, this gift that we now get to give Jacob to affirm his calling. Lord, it is so valuable to have your peers surround you and say, we see God working in you in this way, and we want to continue to propel you into ministry even further by setting you apart, praying over you. Lord, we we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, as a church, we ask that you would today use the scripture, the tool that you have given us unto salvation. Would you use that scripture that points to Jesus Christ? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to take that and not allow it to go out and come back empty? but to nourish our souls and transform us to be even more like Christ. And Lord, just as we are setting Jacob apart, would you set us apart, make us your holy instruments, your priesthood of all believers, so that we can continually connect people to Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. An ordination ceremony is, there's not a lot of detail in scripture about it, but I think that it's there. In Numbers, in the Old Testament, 
Moses was shown the promised land, and God said, Moses, this is the promised land. You've led your people through the wilderness, and here is the land that that all the people are going to go into and enjoy my favor. But Moses, you cannot go because you rebelled against me. And Moses asked God, Lord, would you send someone in my place to lead these people, be a shepherd of these people? And God said, yes, it's going to be Joshua. Here's what I want you to do with Joshua. I want you to bring him before the entire assembly, and I want you to put your hands on him and pray over him as a, as a, a way to show that your leadership is being passed on to him. And then as Joshua works with the priest, wherever Joshua goes, the congregation will follow. When he goes out and when he comes in, the congregation will go out and come back in. We see this repeated in the New Testament when Paul and Silas were set apart to go be missionaries. Led by the Holy Spirit, the congregation grabbed, (laughs) grabbed, they took Paul and Silas, they put their hands on them and they prayed over them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they praised God for that moment. Our elders have been ordained. I was ordained. Elders put their hands on me, prayed over me, and set me apart for ministry. Today, we're going to do that ceremony. Our elders are going to bring Jacob up, and they're going to pray over him. But before they do that, I want to give Jacob the charge from Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul, knowing that he was going to be going away and receiving his reward in heaven, he gave Timothy a command, a charge Here is how you're going to act as a minister. And this is the charge we get to give Jacob. But as I give it to him, we get to learn from the Scripture and learn how we can help him excel in ministry as well. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, we'll read from the first five verses. Here's what it says. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead... And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. And Jacob, I'm looking at you. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Jacob, I think there are five commands here that are designed specifically for the preacher. But I don't think it's too far off for all of our church to know and hear. And especially if we're going to set you apart to be a shepherd here We have to hold you accountable to these five commands. Preach. Watch. Evangelize. Endure. Evangelize and serve. Preach. Watch. Endure. Evangelize and serve. First, preach the word. God's word, Jesus Christ, is incredible. I love how Jacob, several weeks ago, he was working on his message. You've heard him preach. I get jealous every time he preaches because he does such a good job. It makes me become a better preacher because I say, man, i got to live up to what Jacob has done. I love how Jacob, several weeks ago, he texted me as he was studying for his sermon, and he was just blown away by the passage that he was studying. He said, you've got to see what's in here. Have you seen this before? I can't wait to tell 
our church about what I'm finding here. This is so exciting to me. Jacob, never lose that excitement for God's word. It is living and active. It is able to cut through all sorts of lies and myths and get directly to the heart of the matter within each of us. And that's what what Hebrews says. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. As you preach the word, trust the word. Isaiah the prophet, he says that just like rain doesn't come down without nourishing the plants before it's cycled back in to the weather pattern, God's word will not go out and return to you empty, but it will accomplish the goal that God has set for it. Trust that God's word is going to do that. And above all, as you preach, that's what the symbols, the stole, the chalice, communion, the word, all of it is to connect people to Jesus. As you preach, prayerfully ask God to help you connect people to Jesus through the word of God. You know, at Christmas time, preachers oftentimes we get a, a little too cute with our messages. We, we, we go through this idea and the, the, the thought happens with us that, man, we've, we've preached on the birth of Jesus before. In fact, we've done it every year around this same time. So how can we give it in a way that's appealing, that's enticing, that's engaging? How can we make it new one more time? And Jacob, i got to tell you, just trust the Word of God. It's living and active. Every time we present it, even if we've heard it a thousand times, it's going to be new. We don't have to be as cute as we try to be sometimes because God's Word is engaging. And on the other hand, please don't bore people with the Word of God. It's not in the Bible, but I think it's a sin to bore people with the Bible. It's God's Word. There's going to be a season, though, in your ministry, and maybe it's already started happening, where people will not want to hear the truth. And Paul's command to Timothy and to us is to continue to hold out the truth, whether it's in season and people want to hear it, or out of season and people don't want to hear it. Already in our country, in our nation, in our city, in our community, people are turning aside to to myths and lies that are kind of easier to go along with than the truth of Jesus Christ. And when we preach the word, connecting people to Jesus, it cuts through those lies. I'm so grateful that you have a desire to stay true to the word and to connect people to Jesus and and that it still excites you. We shouldn't be surprised when God surprises us with Scripture, and it happens time and time and time again, even with the passages we've read before. Here, Paul says, we have to do this with great patience. And I think what that means is we have to repeat it over and over and over again. Because some churches, not our church, but some church members... They need to hear it 10, 12, 15 times before it starts sinking in and they start obeying. Great patience with the preacher is to continually repeat the commands of Christ even if certain church members don't want to follow them. Like I said, that would never happen here. Careful instruction too. You have to guard your doctrine. And that's really up to you to make sure you're preaching what is true. And as a church, 
Our job is to hold Jacob accountable. Your job as a church is to hold anyone who stands up here accountable to what the Bible says. If you hear me or any of our elders or any of our teachers or Jacob preach something that goes counter or perpendicular to the Word of God and you have a question about it, the very first thing you need to do is you need to pray. You need to study. And then you need to go to that person and say, hey, I think you might have said this incorrectly. Do it privately at first. Have a discussion about it. Maybe you're wrong, but maybe the preacher is wrong. I've been wrong several times. I remember years ago, the one time I was wrong, <laughs> we were doing a Bible study on Wednesday night, and, and I was teaching, you know, just going word for word, chapter to chapter, and at the end of class, everybody left, and there was a, one of our church members that stayed behind and said, Dale, I, I don't think you said that last part right. You want to, can we relook at it? Maybe I'm wrong, but, but I, I think you said that wrong. And I was so grateful and thankful. I had taught it wrong. And I, I said, thank you. We came back to class the next Wednesday. I said, hey, class, I, I taught this wrong. So-and-so showed this to me. I'm so glad they did. We need to make this right because we need to be right in this. Judy Clay, she's a minister's wife. Uh, Sid and Judy, they, they are over at um, a church a couple of minutes from here. And uh, Judy comes, and Sid and Judy come to my Wednesday night online class. And one night we were, we were teaching, this is online, and I said something and Judy said, hey, Dale, I don't, I don't think that's right. Now, Judy has forgotten more Bible than I have even learned. And I said, Judy, no, I'm, I'm right about this. And she said, well, no, Dale, I think this is the right thing. And she explained it. And I said, oh, Judy, I, I think I'm right here. I, I, think I, I think I got this. And Judy stopped. She didn't press it further. She didn't embarrass me. She didn't let me embarrass myself further. And I got to look in after we ended class, and uh, I was wrong. She was right. And I had to come back the next week and say, hey, Judy, you were right. Hey, everybody, if you want to know how to tell your preacher he's wrong, go back and look at the recorded video of Judy telling me I was wrong. She was polite. She told the truth. And she didn't, like, argue. She held out the truth, hoping that I would see. You know what she was doing that whole time? She was praying, God, help this conversation allow it to turn out right, have Dale check himself, look in the script. Our job, our job is to do that with Jacob. His job is to preach the word. Whether we want to hear it or not, our job is to make sure he stays true. Jacob, the scripture, Paul says, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. So sometimes you have to look at us and tell us, stop sinning. Do that with great patience and grace. And we want to do the same for you. It is God-breathed. And it's useful so that everybody will be trained up for ministry. And it's your job to help us to get connected to Christ through it. We, he needs to preach and he needs to watch. That second, the sec, he spends a lot of time on the preaching, but in verse 5 he says, but you keep your head in all situations. There's a word that, that kind of means sober-minded. You need to watch. You have to watch out for yourself, and you have to watch out for our congregation. One of the ways that you can watch yourself, 
Be sober-minded about yourself. Solomon gives in the book of Proverbs. He says, learn to fear God. That's the beginning of wisdom. After he says, learn to fear God, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will make your path straight. And in chapter 4 of Proverbs, he says, above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Jacob, if you want to be able to watch out for our congregation, you have to first watch out for your own soul. That means you have to constantly be aware of where you are easily tempted and to kill those desires by the blood of Christ. Pursue Jesus with all of your heart and your passion. And you will not be perfect in this. You will fail many times. Continually go back to the blood and body of Christ Remember your baptism, remember communion, and remember you have a church that's going to support you. Church, I don't understand this, and I know God doesn't make a mistake, but it seems like it's a mistake. God's plan is to take his word and his message to all the world and have it given through very flawed and sinful individuals. I am a flawed and sinful individual I fail countless times. You don't see it because you're not around me all the time. My family sees it. My friends see it. My really close friends, they call me out on it. Jacob is a flawed and sinful man, given grace and forgiveness by Christ, and a calling, God's plan, a calling for him to give us the word of God. We get to help him protect his heart. We get to surround him and hold him accountable to the word as he holds us accountable to the word. We get to pray for him and encourage him. And we get to, if we notice sin, to call him out on it. Go to him privately first. And this being sober-minded in all situations is especially difficult on Sunday mornings as soon as you finish the sermon. Jacob, If somebody approaches you and they have their bucket list of problems they have with the church or their past or their hurts and they dump it on you, if you are guarding your heart and if you are trusting the Lord and if you are fearing God, you will respond patiently, respectfully, and gracefully. You'll even say the right script. Hey, I I really want to talk more about this, but this is not the right time on Sunday morning and other people are looking. Do you mind if we set an appointment where we can discuss this? And I can pray about it so we can come to a resolution. Now, that's the right script I wish I would have said when someone came and brought their bucket list of problems and dumped it on me right before I got ready to preach. But you, you keep your head. Church, Sunday morning is not the right time to tell Jacob your bucket list of problems that you have had and your past hurts with the church. It's our job to help him stay accountable. And he will be willing to listen. He's willing to pray. And he's willing to work through. But right before he preaches, it's the wrong time to give it to him. For example, if you think you can only be a preacher by wearing a tie, maybe don't tell the preacher that he's not a good preacher because he's not wearing a tie right before he steps on the stage. Or if you think Jacob should tuck in his shirt, (laughs) don't tell him right before he gets on stage. Have that conversation with him. That's a fine conversation. He might disagree. He might have a very valid reason. 
But Jacob, keep your head. Paul commands it. The scripture commands it. Church, help him stay focused. He needs to watch. He also needs to endure. Paul says we get to join in the sufferings of Christ. Endure hardships. Jacob, last week you preached on what to do in suffering. And sometimes God is, has us in that suffering, not so that our suffering can be removed, but so that we can align our will with God and even have joy in our suffering. Paul commands us to endure hardship. Just previously in this book to Timothy, he said, join with us in suffering like a good, faithful soldier. Jacob, I don't know if you've thought about this, but what you preached last week, there's a little line in chapter one of Philippians. You preached on it, you, you talked about it, but you didn't hit this angle. Philippians one, it says, for it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but to also suffer for him. Granted to you. Like the suffering is a gift. Sometimes we get a gift of suffering. It's not because We've committed a sin. It's not because of the sin of somebody else. It's not because of the sin of the broken world. But it's because God has placed you there to suffer and endure to reveal Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul says these words. It's it's the craziest words. I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. When we break this down, it it, it almost makes no sense until we start meditating on it. Paul said, Christ's afflictions, when he went to the cross, there was something lacking there that now gets filled up in Paul's body for the benefit of the church. This makes no sense because Christ's sacrifice, his death, his burial, and his resurrection is complete. It is what we need for salvation. It is what we need for our guilt removal. It is what we need for a connection with God. There is nothing incomplete about Christ's afflictions. But what Paul means is there were certain people that saw Jesus hang on the cross visually. They saw him taken down from the cross dead. They saw his body buried, and then they saw his resurrection. They physically saw it. But everybody else after that, after that time in history, every other Christian, they no longer physically see the afflictions of Christ. And where they end up seeing it most often is through people who are enduring hardships, connecting their will to Christ so that they endure with joy. And it's there that people see Jesus. Jacob, you're commanded to endure hardships so people will see Jesus in you. The only time they're ever going to see Jesus might be through your suffering and how you respond to the suffering. It could be that it was a gift given to you so you could connect somebody else to Jesus. That doesn't mean that we don't get to pray to have our suffering removed. It doesn't mean that we can't ask God for relief. It just means while we endure, we endure for the sake of Jesus Christ so that the entire church may be built up. In church, as we see Jacob endure, we get to help him endure with encouragement and prayer and love. Forgiveness and grace. Because he's called to bear the wounds of Jesus Christ for the church. And I would say, church, as a Christ follower, sometimes you are called to bear sufferings so that the world may see Jesus in you. You will not be alone when it happens. 
You need to preach, you need to watch, you need to endure, and you need to evangelize. Do the work of an evangelist. Continually, continually connect people to Jesus. There's no time that people don't need to be connected to Jesus. There's no season of life that we don't need to grow closer to Jesus. But as a minister of the gospel, Paul gives a warning to Timothy that the body of believers that gather, we can become very selfish and very inward-focused as a church. So Paul reminds Timothy, do the work of evangelist. Continually turn our church's eyes out toward the lost. There's over 12,000 people in Wilmington. 8,000 of them said there are no religious affiliations. We have lost people all around us. People that will go to hell if they don't hear the good news of Jesus Christ. The church is the only organization that is designed and built for the people who are not here yet. So yes, take the people who gather, continue to mature them in Christ, but part of maturity is Christ is turning our gaze out from ourselves, becoming less selfish and more selfless, and looking at the people who are lost who need the name of Jesus Christ, they need the healing of Jesus Christ, they need the peace of Jesus Christ, they need the salvation of Jesus Christ, so do the work of an evangelist, and church, help him do it. When we become nasal gazers, we become a dead and dying church. But the healthiest churches in America and the healthiest churches in the world have this God-given drive to go and find people who are dead in their sin and connect them to Jesus so that they could be born again and made alive by faith. And we need to help Jacob teach us how to do that. We need to preach, Jacob. We need to watch, endure, evangelize, and finally, you need to serve. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Jesus told his disciples that were around him, he said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you have to become a slave. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others. And that's a call to every Christian here, but it's specifically a call to those who are set apart for ministry. It's a heavy weight. But as a church, our job is to help him bear that weight. Here's a way that you can help Jacob as we set him apart for ministry today. You can pray for him every single day. Like pray for your family, pray for those who are lost, and pray for your ministers. Pray for your elders. Pray for your entire church body. Pray for Jacob specifically. Fight for your minister. In fact, that's a new book written by a guy named Peter Orr. A lot of books are out there written to describe how a minister should be able to do ministry, but there's not very many books out there that describe how a church is supposed to act as church members. Peter Orr just wrote a book called Fight for Your Minister. And he lists seven ways that you can fight for your minister, encourage your minister, pray for your minister, uh, listen to your pastor as he preaches from the word of God when you do this with Jacob. Give to the church to ensure that needs are met and so that we can raise up other ministers, be generous in your offering. Forgive your pastor for sins and failures because he will let you down. I will let you down. Please pray for me and forgive me. Jacob, being set apart for ministry, doesn't mean he's now perfect. It just means there's more opportunities for us to see his failures. So forgive him. 
In fact, anytime you see a brother or sister in sin, you should move to tell them and then move to forgive them. But if you just see a disagreement, it might be the time that you need to go and tell them about it, but it may be the time that you just overlook an offense with love and grace and just get over it. When you see Jacob mess up, and he will mess up, He's involved with thousands of decisions behind the scene that belong to this church. Our elders and our staff do hundreds of decisions every week that you never see, but you will see one that you'll disagree with. If it's not a biblical failing and it's not a sin, it might be just something that you overlook with love and grace. Learn to do that with other Christians as well. And then this is a hard one. As a church, we need to submit to our elders, submit to those who are in authority, submit to the person preaching. We're all commanded to do it. When Jacob preaches on this stage, I learn from him and I sit under his teaching and I submit myself to his teaching so that he can grow me up in Christ by expounding on the word of God, teaching me what the word says so I can connect closer to Jesus. As church members, we need to do that with our elders and our leaders, especially when they're set apart to do ministry. There's one other book that you could get, kind of repeats very similar instructions. It's called The Book Your Pastor Wishes You Would Read, But Is Too Embarrassed to Ask. Well, since we're talking about Jacob, I can say that Jacob would wish you would read this book, but he'd be too embarrassed to ask you to read it. But it teaches you how to be church members that encourage and bless a minister and elder. Jacob is going to come on stage and take vows. And our elders are going to pray over him and lay their hands on him. And those vows become a weight that he gets to bear. But as a church, we get to help him lift it up. Jacob, I'm going to ask you to come forward now. And elders, I'll ask you to come forward now and pray over Jacob. Following the the ordination, the setting part of Jacob, um, I'll come back out on stage and we will take communion together to continue to connect one another to Jesus Christ. God has always called his workers to ministry and continues to do so today. God called Abraham, Moses, Peter, and Paul to particular ministries. In the same way, he calls us to specific ministries. In this service, we set aside Jacob for special called service to the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for Jacob for the servant heart that you have given him. And Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit continues to be with him, that you would guide him, and as we set him apart for this service, that you would give him the boldness to go out and to serve you in ways that go beyond these four walls. May you strengthen him, may you just bless him, and may you use him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13 says this. 
It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of Christ. Jacob, have you considered seriously this biblical ministry to which you are called? Jacob, as a minister, you are called to a higher level of responsibility and integrity than other Christians. Have you seriously considered the high level of integrity, morality, and Christian living to which you are called? Jacob, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and your personal Lord and Savior? You do not enter this ministry alone, but with the help and support of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the great cloud of witnesses in heaven, and the church universal. Jacob, please repeat these words after me. I believe believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God, my personal Lord and Savior. Jacob, will you strive to encourage the church and lead the lost to a saving relationship with Christ? Jacob, will you remain faithful to the teaching of Scripture, teaching the whole counsel of God as you teach in the church? Will you follow the leading of the authority of the local eldership of this church? Promoting unity in the cause of Christ. I will. Jacob, we'd like to ask you to kneel on one knee, please. And uh, we will gather around Jacob and pray over him this time. Dear Father in heaven, you have gifted this young man with um, exceptional abilities. And dear Father, it's evident that your spirit is working within him and his preparation, his delivery of his messages, and dear Father, his heart for the loss of this world. Continue to bless and work with him and through him in your Holy Spirit. Father God, we give you thanks for, for bringing Jacob into this family of believers. Lord, I thank you for... Um, giving him a desire to, to take a step forward and, and want to go out and evangelize and to do all of the things that, uh, that Dale spoke of in the letter to Timothy. Lord, we just pray that you would um, continue to guide and direct him in all of his thoughts and all of his deeds. Lord, I pray that the words that come from him are the words that you have put on his heart and that they will rest on fertile soil. Uh, of our hearts as we hear those and we respond accordingly. Lord, I just pray over Jacob at this time um, that he would have peace, that he would have comfort, that he would know that he's got a family of believers around him right here uh, ready to support him. Lord, we thank you for um, the gifts that you've given all of us in your son's name. Heavenly Father, come and thank you 
for our, our time now. Thank you for Jacob. Thank you for gift of grace that you give us. And I ask you are with Jacob. You will protect him, bless him, and be with him in all that he does. Be with him as he works alongside of us in the church. And that you would continue to guide and allow his work to align with your will so that you, your will uh, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Jacob, at this time, I'm going to read the charge that Paul gave to a new minister, and we give you this charge also. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instructions. Paul encouraged ministers to preach the word. This is the basis for everything you do in the ministry. Always preach the word in your life. The good news is the message of the birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your ministry is to take the good news and relate it to life. Paul encouraged ministers to be prepared The nature of good ministry is study. You are committing to a life of preparation. Much of your work will be done in the study. God works mighty through his Holy Spirit as you spend time developing lessons and sermons. This task takes discipline, in season and out of season. Paul encouraged ministers to correct. This is a law term for cross-examination. One of your tasks is to cross-examine the culture in which we live. God's word never changes, but our culture does. Determine the best ways to present that word to this culture. Paul encouraged ministers to rebuke. In the early church, this world involved moral error. Ethics count in God's economy. Integrity must be at the center of everything you do. Paul encouraged ministers to exhort. There's two ideas here, to encourage and to urge. It is your responsibility to encourage the church and to urge her to faithfulness. At the same time, you are also to encourage the culture to examine the claims of Jesus and urge people to make decisions in accordance with his will. All these things are biblical ministry, Jacob, and you have been called to this ministry. I will now pray over Jacob and we'll turn this back over to Dale. Father in heaven, we rejoice in what you have done in the life of Jacob. The Savior called him, he taught him, and he is greatly using him. Today, Jacob stands on the threshold of a lifetime of ministry. Our passionate plea, Lord, is that you will use him way beyond his or our highest expectations. You tell us in in your word, God, that you are able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Today, we thank you, Lord, for Jacob's parents, his loved ones, his friends, teachers, mentors, all the godly men and women who have built into his life, preparing him uniquely for the ministry to which you are calling him. We pray that you will keep him clean from the midst of a corrupt generation. 
May you shine your light in the midst of a darkened world. We pray that you will use Jacob with increasing effectiveness for your greater glory. God, your word tells us that when you call us to do anything, you will always provide the resources needed. Lord, we pray that Jacob draws deeply from the rich well of your grace and your providence. Lord, when we think how desperately men like Jacob, men who are committed to the gospel of the grace of God, the exposition of the word, the faithful and loving service and the will of God are needed, we are excited about his calling. Lord, keep Jacob on his knees, learning the power of prayer, and always asking this. Is it really worth doing if I can do it without prayer? Give him the passion of our Savior, who at the end of his life commanded his disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Father, as a good shepherd, go before Jacob. Lead him in a clear path to do your will and to do it courageously. Keep him from sin and in his success. Keep him humble under the mighty hand of God. Lord, we ask that you multiply Jacob's giftedness to extend and enrich the body of Christ. Reproduce in him the body of Christ, the heart of Christ, and the life of Christ. Amen. And now, Jacob, we exhort you. In Acts 20, verse 32, it states, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And we ask it expectingly and believingly in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior. Amen. Uh, we have set Jacob apart so that he can connect us to Christ uh, through his preaching and teaching and through his ministry. But Jesus also gave us a way to connect with him through communion. Would you take out your communion packet, please? And hold up the bread. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And he passed bread around to his disciples. And this is an opportunity for us to reconnect. Paul says that when we participate in the bread, we're actually participating in the body of Christ. We're reconnecting our minds, our emotions, our spirits, our souls to Jesus Christ in a significant way spiritual way in communion I can't quite understand it God doesn't love us more he doesn't forgive us more but there is a spiritual connection that is a mystery that happens when we participate in communion would you remember what Christ did for you on the cross he nailed your sins to his body and destroyed them forever would you participate in the bread Jesus, we praise you that you give us this memorial so that we can refocus our attention on you and remember that we are forgiven. We remember your sacrifice so that we can be empowered by your spirit to live, become a living sacrifice. We thank you for this moment. Would you take out your cup? And would you remember the blood that was shed for you? For the scripture promises that his blood washes us clean. Where God declares us not guilty. And we are empowered to live for him.
through his spirit. Would you participate in the cup? Lord, we praise you for your sacrifice. And we thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, help us to live connected to the body and blood of Christ in every day. But we praise you for this reminder so that we can be, our souls can be reignited with your power and strength even now through our time of communion. It's in Jesus' name I pray. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a Connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.